From the EPR Creation Studio, this is the Unconquered Podcast. As always, I'm Jason Staples. We're going to be doing a little bit of a catch-up episode here covering the NC State game. Before I get started, I want to thank my first sponsor, and that is EPR Creations. EPR Creations partners with small businesses for website development and online strategy planning. They also have worked with universities and large businesses, but if you have any online needs, EPR Creations is the best bet. In fact, by the time this episode has released, the website that I actually had EPR Creations recently do for me, that is showthesafeties.com, will have launched. So if you are interested in actually seeing downfield on television on televised football games so that you can see the whole game as opposed to just the quarterback and the line of scrimmage, go sign the petition. It's an online petition at showthesafeties.com and participate via social media and all sorts of things. I've got a hashtag going. We're trying to put some pressure on the major networks that broadcast football and, and basically say, look, we... We demand that football be shot the way that modern football should be shot. You know, teams don't just line up and run between the tackles now, and we've got HDTVs. So how about you show us just a little bit more of the game? So if you're interested in that, go to showthesafeties.com and sign the online petition. I'm aiming for over a million uh, signatures on that. I want to I actually get ESPN and CBS and the rest. I want to get their attention and see if we can maybe modernize the way that these things are shot. So... Like I said, I had EPR Creations do that for me. I'm pretty excited about uh, getting this project off the ground. I've wanted to do it for about four years, five years now, and uh, finally getting that started. And uh, if you're interested in, in supporting that all the more, start using the hashtag show the safeties and, uh, and, and putting some pressure on social media as well. Let's see if we can get this to go viral. So that's the other news. But like I said, if you want to, if you have any needs, for online stuff, go through EPR Creations. You can see from that uh, very simple site that I had them set up for me that uh, they, that they do that they do as good a job as anybody out there, and for a reasonable price. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. There's really not a whole lot to add to what I had to say after the NC State game, which really wasn't a whole lot then. Um, but I, I think my hot takes were largely. Correct. And, um, you know, going back and reviewing the game, uh, really, it's just about developing some of the things that we already already talked about on that on that particular episode. Number one is I do think that the defense looked significantly better and more and better coordinated. And by that, I mean, literally coordinated, put together so that one level is helping the other and so on. There are a few plays in there in terms of actually matching pattern matching in the secondary and at, at linebacker. There are a couple plays that I haven't seen them do that as well in probably three or four years on that, maybe longer. There, there are a couple plays where they they pattern matched at, you know, like this is clinic quality tape. I'd love to see the all 22 on it, but uh, but from what I could see underneath, like this is seeing guys passing stuff off from corner to, to linebacker and then linebackers matching up with the right guys and passing guys off to safeties and so on. All of that stuff was done so much better in this game. Getting getting coordinated matters so much, and uh, and that's 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 a huge thing. Also, uh, the rewatch. I, I, you know, I went back and looked at 
what I could look at in terms of, you know, obviously, again, you're limited to those awful TV angles. Again, another plug for showthesafeties.com. But from what I could see, I mean, I was really pleased with with Florida State on the edge. I I thought Janarius Robinson played extremely well, although on review that 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 ejection was warranted. It was a it was the correct call. I, I, I'm not a fan of the targeting rule, but by rule, that was targeting. Uh, he, he lowered his head before contact, and that's all you need. You do not need to hit in the head or neck area. You do not need to, to do any of that. If you lower the head into contact like that, that's an automatic targeting, an automatic ejection, and he did it. And actually, one of the, one of the former, how should I say this? One of the former people within the program who has who is familiar with how the defensive staff has coached Robinson in the past knows that uh, or, or uh, sent me a, sent me a note saying well you know this is not only was that the right call but you know Janarius has has a, has had a tendency to do that since he got on campus and this is something that they've tried to coach out of him and you know it's just it's just the way he hits and he's got to learn not to do it he's got to learn to keep the face mask up He's got to learn to uh, to to put himself in better body angles so that you don't make that a possibility. But that's something they've worked with him on. They've tried to coach him on it, uh, you know, through two staffs, and it just hasn't quite happened. And you know, yeah, it, it's not the easiest thing to do, especially when you learned to hit differently when you when you were in Pee Wee and didn't really get taught correctly how to uh, how to keep your head up when you tackle. But you got to do better, and it's going to hurt them a lot not having him in the first half against Clemson, uh, especially since Clemson, really, in order to, to stop Clemson, you're going to have to be able to limit what they do in the running game with you know, five, six in the box. You can't, you, you can't afford to let them cut you up downfield. Uh, but anyway, that's, uh, that, that, that's going to be a big loss for the first half there. But, uh, but he, if, if he keeps playing the way that he has, then that provides some some definite uh, help down the line in terms of, uh, of of providing some some stability on the edge the other the opposite side I thought Amari Gaynor was excellent going back and looking at this uh, he he played even better I think on on the second and third watch than I thought he did on the first one and again really is displaying somebody that when they need when they need an extra pass rusher there he's he's got the knack he's not as big as you'd like yet i mean he's going to gain some weight but in terms of his overall just instincts for rushing the passer he is he's really a natural and and is a guy that is that can both rush the passer and can play going backwards and that's a rare combination he's going to make himself some money there uh i also i got a chance to look a little bit closer at the at the last couple drives where they rotated in more young guys and I was disappointed that they didn't rotate in more of the young linebackers because that's really who I wanted to see more of. But, uh, I mean, they're kind of a mystery uh, to, to those of us who can't see into practice and all that. But, uh, I mean, I've, I can go on what I've been told. But I want to see those guys. I want to see what they look like. And I know they're freshmen. And I know, yeah, you don't want to give up more points. And it, But it's 31 to 13 at that point. Let's go ahead and, and rotate those guys in. It could be it, – it would be – better to get them some reps and give them an opportunity to uh, to play a little bit. And yeah, I know if you're trying to redshirt them and all that, then you, that that counts toward their one game, but to me, I mean, how many games are you really expecting to win big 
over the course of the rest of the year. And you're going to need to start playing some of those guys. And some of those guys are already playing on special teams. So uh, I, I would have liked to seen that uh, a bit more. But uh, I was very pleased by what I saw from Jalen McClendon, number 55 on uh, on defense, the, uh, the, the true freshman on the edge. I thought he really displayed excellent bend. I thought he showed that showed the ability to win in in terms of hand fighting he was able to get his to get his hands in in great positions against the against the offensive lineman a couple times he showed the ability to dip his shoulder and shorten the edge to run the hoop really well uh just a lot of different little things that you don't expect to see from a true freshman i think he you know he was he was rated as a high three star coming in i think he looked like a guy that should have been a four star and uh and a guy that Probably he's going to see the field a little bit at different points as the year goes on. This bye week comes at a good time for him after that to give him some opportunities to try to find the field. Uh, but obviously, Josh Brown also played well at times. There are a couple of missed, what, what I think were missed assignments uh, in, in terms of whether he was supposed to rush or drop based on the structure of the rest of the defense. But, but overall, I thought Josh Brown was okay. Uh, but I think 55, I thought McClendon really showed some encouraging signs moving forward. Is he going to be an elite, elite guy? I mean, is, are you, are you talking about a guy, about a guy with Josh Kando type upside? No. Uh, but you're talking about a guy that can be a solid starter for you for multiple years, I think. And that's, that's, that's a win. That's, that's not a guy that's going to be a bust as a recruit. It looks like. So that's uh that's, that's a good thing. Uh, another, another thing that really stood out to me in terms of defensively, when I went and, and uh, and took a closer look there. I'd already been told this a little bit in terms of what you could see from 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 uh, from prior action and from people who know a little bit more than I do and who've had a little more access than I do on this stuff. But getting to see it with my own eyes, one of the things that was most obvious in those uh, in those last couple drives is that ninety seven. That's Malcolm Lamar. Malcolm Lamar needs to march up to the coach's office and beg them, just beg them to move him to offensive tackle during the bye week. The sooner he gets moved to offensive tackle, the sooner he, he, he has an opportunity to actually make money playing football because he's not, he's not going to be a Marvin Wilson. He's not going to be one of those. I mean, sorry, son, but you're already going to get passed up by young defensive linemen on your own team. Quayshawn Fuller, some of these other guys, they're going to pass you. And at that point, and yeah, Fuller, Fuller's going to play a little bit more on the outside, but they're going to, those guys are going to pass you. You know, Jamarcus Chapman going to play in, in, in that position a bit more often. You're going to see uh, Malcolm Ray is going to pass you. Fan is going to pass you. And so you're not playing in the NFL at that position. But might be a first round draft pick at, at offensive tackle. The physical skills there in terms of jumbo athlete with that kind of length and the way that he moves, it's not enough to be an NFL defensive tackle. You're not that's not an NFL defensive tackle, but that would be a plus. I'm talking about a really good athlete at offensive tackle and the kind of guy that makes a lot of money at the next level. I mean, that one of the solutions for the 2020 offensive tackle spot might be right there, Malcolm Lamar. And I know that, that, that Taggart and the coaching staff 
I mean, they they talked about potentially playing offensive line with him even as far back as recruiting, and he he didn't like that idea. He's wanted to play defense. He likes playing defense, but at a certain point, son, it's business time. You gotta you gotta decide whether you want to go pro in something other than sports, or whether you want to make whether you want to cash big checks for playing football. And if you want to if you want to make big money, the best shot you're gonna have if you're Malcolm Malcolm Lamar is playing offensive tackle. Because, I mean, you're talking about it. Cam Irving 2.0. You're talking, and I think he's a better athlete than Irving. But he's not, he's not a, a, a special enough athlete for the position at defensive tackle. He's, he's another guy at defensive tackle. He's an elite athlete at offensive tackle. And a lot of these kids don't understand the market inefficiencies there. If you are a, pretty good athlete for defensive tackle you're you're potentially an elite athlete for offensive line and if you're a really tall athlete with length you're potentially an elite athlete at the at offensive tackle and the money that those guys get and how long their careers are versus defensive linemen the money is better on the offensive side and there's less competition for those spots because so many of the really good athletes they just want to play defense well, figure it out, man. Figure it out that, you know what? The better spot for me to make my money is right there at tackle. Because, I, I mean, I'm telling you, he, he has a chance there. But he's going to have to make that choice. He's going to have to ask the coaches to make that decision. And I'm pretty sure they'd be happy to, to take him up on it. And yeah, that makes him a little thinner going in next year at defensive tackle. But I think the combination of Malcolm Ray, of uh, True Thompson, you throw Briggs... Chapman fan, those guys in there, they'll find enough bodies on the, on the defensive side that aren't really going to be any drop off, but offensively, you're talking about a guy that could be an NFL guy. That, that one really stood out. Now, the other thing that was really plain and going back and watching this is NC state's passing game was terrible. (laughs) I mean, just really terrible. I mean, uh, McKay, he needs to transfer or he needs to switch positions because that's not an ACC quarterback. He's not good enough to play quarterback at NC State. It's just not. And Bailey Hockman wasn't great. And as we talked about in the preview episode, they, they didn't have a whole lot of speed at receiver to begin with. And so there was nothing they could, they could really do to threaten Florida State in terms, of, um, in terms of downfield. And Florida State took advantage of that, as they should. Now, they should have come up with about four interceptions that they just dropped for various reasons. But you got to start making plays. And this is something that even back into the, into the preseason, in our preseason episode, we talked about you know this secondary. One of the complaints that I heard from those around the program is as good as they are athletically and everything, they just don't make plays. Well, they're going to need to start making some plays and converting those. Because I can tell you right now, the guy they're playing this next week, the elf, he, that is no Bailey Hockman. And that is sure no McKay. Legolas is going to come in there slinging it. And you better be ready for that. And they're they're going to have to play those the, uh, play aggressively there on the outside in order to in order to take advantage of uh, well actually they're, in order to not be taken advantage of by Clemson's combination of elite outside receivers and in a, a real life elf playing quarterback. I mean that's just it's insane. So you know the last couple of weeks they've been able to feast on bad passing offenses. Well, Clemson's gonna, not going to have that, and they're going to need to. Uh, they're going to need to find some, some ways to do that. Now, I thought North Carolina exposed Clemson a little bit in terms of inside, and there'd been some discussion of this nationally that 
Clemson, they basically are they're they're too similar across the board at receiver. They've got a bunch of six four. I mean, it's one of those like, wow, complain all what what a thing to complain about. But they got a bunch of six four, six five receivers that are all prototype outside, you know, NFL number one type receivers, but they don't have one of those slot guys that they've had in recent years. Now, Rogers, who they uh who, who was Amari Rogers, who was the guy that was slated to be that he's still coming back from a knee injury and he's just now kind of getting back into, into the flow there, but he's not Hunter Renfro and they, they still don't have a tight end there to really hurt you, but we'll talk more about this in the, in the Clemson preview, but Florida state's going to have some opportunities to, to look at the, that North Carolina tape. Carolina basically just played palms, a match two and was able to limit what Clemson could do uh, passing wise because of, you know, basically being able to, to take advantage of of some of that weakness inside and force force them to try to win against some brackets and things like that on the outside. So, you know, there's some opportunities to slow them down a little bit, but they're going to have to play aggressively on, in the secondary to facilitate that. Going to take a quick break and uh, thank my second sponsor, and that is Luis Marquez of Keller Williams in Jacksonville, Florida. As I've said numerous times, Lewis is the best realtor in the state of Florida. He's a trained photographer and videographer. And listen, about 90% of home buyers search online first. If you want to have, if you want to sell your house, you better have an, a successful marketing plan, including the best possible photos. You better have some walkthrough video. He's going to put drone video up there for you. If you need to sell your house in Jacksonville, you need to list with Lewis. If you need to find a house, Anywhere near Jacksonville, you need to go find Lewis. Nobody's going to outwork him. Let him know you heard about him from the Unconquered podcast. All right, so let's move over to the offensive side. First thing is talking about the quarterback. And to be totally honest, the quarterback position, when, when I talked about this in the, in the postgame, I, I said that Hornybrook held onto the ball too long and, and some of those sacks were on him. When I went back and I, I did the uh, the X's and O's uh, analysis for the Patreon site. Uh, I basically put e- between five and six sacks, mostly on Hornybrook. That doesn't mean that everything was perfect around him, but he should have gotten rid of the ball to a better spot on at least five. And I think you can argue for six of the eight sacks. And a couple of them were just really bad. I mean, the one that should have been, that was a fumble that, that very nearly turned into a turnover. That one was just, I mean, that was horrible. You can't, first of all, you can't hold on to it that long. Second of all, you never step up holding the ball above your head. I mean, that, that's, yeah, that was bad. Turnovers are a coming if he can, if he continues to do that. And on a number of those sacks, I mean, one of them, yeah, Kalon LeBorn misses the, he doesn't miss the block, but he, makes a very poor uh, block on the edge rusher. But Hornybrook is looking in the wrong spot. He's reading the wrong side. He, he should be recognizing that there's a pressure coming from the right, and he's got the outside receiver on the right. If he throws that in rhythm on time when he's supposed to, even though LeBorn makes a terrible block, that ball's out of there before he's ever touched. Not only is he not sacked, he's not touched. Similarly, offensive line in one case mishandled a twist and I'm not exactly sure how they're coached to to take care of that twist but it looked very unorthodox and isn't isn't how I would coach it 
but maybe they're in a man protection and that's just how they want to do it. But either way, that was a, a poor job of handling the twist. But if he gets the ball out to, to the proper read immediately, then he get he he's never not again not only not sacked he's not touched and you got a first down but he does he didn't he didn't see it and he didn't didn't pull the trigger and instead he stepped right into the pressure takes the sack so is that a, a good play by the offensive line there no of course not but it's also a an, a, a bad play by the quarterback and there were a couple others where he either stepped directly into pressure or he found a way to uh, to try to leave the pocket early and moved into uh, basically created the pressure for himself, moved right into the guy that sacked him. So a lot of problems there on the quarterback side. And really, if you are going to make a change from Blackman, you'd better be better. You better be a lot better than Blackman because of the team leadership issue and some of those other things. And also some of the physical stuff that Blackman brings that Hornibrook doesn't. And he wasn't better than what we've seen from Blackman. Yeah, the numbers are better, but he also was not playing a very good defense and was thrown into spaces that were huge. I mean, you think about the touchdown to Terry this week, the touchdown to Terry against Louisville. Those are those are throws that you expect a, a halfway decent high school quarterback to make. And listen, I'm not I'm not anti Hornybrook here. I do think Hornybrook needs to needs to be a part of the game plan moving forward because of some of the other things that he brings to the table. But he needs to play better, and ultimately, I think this team needs Blackman also, and I think it needs Blackman to be the starter in order in order for them to be able to maximize what they're able to do. Now, as for other stuff, still not real thrilled whenever I see uh, Mike Arnold in there at guard, uh, especially in pass pass protection. He's actually been better than I thought he'd be in the run game, and some of that's just that he's a big dude, but. You know, I think they're better when they've got Lucas and 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 uh, Brady Scott in the game. Now, Scott has shown to be a little vulnerable to some some uh, bull rushes at times, and you know, has not been as good a pass protector at the guard position as I thought he'd be. But again, I, I think that's your your best combo, and I think they're just trying to keep him keep him fresh and and rotate those three. But again, I, I I'm not I'm not a big as big a fan there of when you see. Uh, Arnold out there. Uh, now, as far as the rest, I've gotten some questions about why LeBorn is not getting as not not getting as much time. He's out there a decent amount. It's just when he's out there, they're not having very successful drives. I mean, so that's part of it. Another part of it is that you're talking about Acres. He's not only your best player; he's a great, he, he's a terrific leader on your team. He's an, an important influence on that team. You want him to be out there as much as possible. So. Yeah, it is what it is. And LeBorn is not what a lot of Florida State fans seem to think he is in terms of the level of explosion and, and all of that. So, uh, so yeah, that, that's, um, that's, that's all I have to say about that. So when they're, uh, when they're playing against Clemson, we'll talk about this more next week, but they're going to need to be able to run the ball in between the tackles. They're going to need to be able to focus on those defensive tackles the way that, Cle- that uh, North Carolina did. We'll see how they're, they're able to do there. Last few things. Um, again, Pokey Wilson still, still continuing to, mer- to emerge as a reliable outside threat. Uh, we talked about that in the, in the preview episode. Don't have much more to say there. So before I get to the last segment of the show, I do want to thank my third sponsor, and that is Garage Makeovers from South Florida. 
They're the top rated garage remodeling company in South Florida. And uh, they've been serving all of Palm Beach and Broward County since 05. If you have any needs to improve your garage, give them, a, and, you're, and if you're from Broward and Palm Beach County, give them a call. Give Nathan a call. Uh, all that information is in the show notes. Tell them the Unconquered Podcast sent, it, sent you uh, to him. All right. Uh, last couple things. Special teams. Uh, I don't think anybody would be sorry to see Aguayo be replaced at this point. You can go ahead and uh, he can go ahead and enjoy uh, his his time over uh, his time in the nightlife a little bit more if he's not on the field too. So maybe he'd enjoy it even more. Uh, but they need to they need to get more consistent there. Logan Tyler today in the transfer portal. So uh, that's that's news, and I think that's partly because well, punt wise they that job's been handled. And they've done a they've done really well with the punting for the most part. They shanked a couple in this last one, but they're better at the punter position right now. And um, yeah, they're, and given some of the other legal trouble and all of that, it's uh, well, it is what it is. Also, Demarcus Adams in the transfer portal. That one's not surprising. I was honestly surprised that they took Demarcus Adams when they when they came in uh, in that big wide receiver class. He was definitely the. Uh, the 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 least talented of that group very very fast player but not uh not as complete a receiver as Jordan Young as Treshawn Harrison as Keyshawn Helton as Warren Thompson and now you've got DeAnthony McGriff on the f- on the field you know for next year uh, obviously he's sitting out for this year and really Demarcus Adams is just looking around and from early reports DeAnthony McGriff is better than Adams so he's looking around and he's going, I'm, I'm just not going to see the field and you got to wish him the best. And, and I think he could be a really good player at a place like UCF and, uh, and, and, and potentially uh, develop more in, uh, in terms of getting more time there. So a uh, good kid guy that isn't a, isn't a bad apple on the team, but ultimately just there's not a, a real window for him to play anytime soon. And he, he knew it and it's time to move on. So that opens up a spot and this is really the way things are supposed to work there. So, uh, best wishes to DeMarcus Adams as he moves on. I'm going to go ahead and wrap the show here. I've, I've got uh, a little bit, I've got a, a bunch of question and answer stuff I'll get to over the weekend. Uh, instead of doing a hot takes podcast, I'm going to do a question and answer podcast. So especially if you are on Patreon, then, uh, go ahead and give me a, uh, Drop me a line if you have something you want me to answer. I've got a, a list of things that I've, uh, I've been getting th- from the contact form via Unconquered Podcast, also through Twitter. You can get in touch with me all sorts of different ways. But if you've got questions for that question and answer show, I'm going to do a mailbag show this weekend, and then uh, we'll progress into the Clemson podcast, the Clemson preview next week. And before I go, I also want to thank those patrons above the bleach numbers level. That's Keith Cheney, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, and especially Bert Bertoldi. Thank you, especially to all of you for uh, for the support and for all that you've done to help me be able to get those uh, X's and O's podcasts, uh, those those film sessions out. So. If you've been enjoying this podcast also, uh, go ahead and uh, drop by uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, especially give us a a five-star review. If you haven't reviewed us in a while, if you've given a past five-star review, apparently though you can give it again after a certain amount of time. Uh, But if you've been enjoying this podcast, 
really appreciate it if you'd uh, give us a five-star review and, uh, and, and help us to move up those rankings a little bit. I don't really pay attention to the rankings, but, but as, we, uh, as I'm going to start moving toward a little bit more, ad, uh, at more ads and so on, it definitely helps uh, in terms of that, that side of things and definitely helps get more eyes on the podcast. If you know people who are Florida State fans and they've not heard about this podcast, let them know to listen. I'm surprised every I've been surprised a couple times this year that there's somebody on Twitter or wherever wherever else that sends me a message saying, "Hey, I just listened to your podcast for the first time, really enjoyed it." It's like, "Man, how, you know, I didn't know about it." There're too many people out there who don't know about this podcast. Been doing it since 2013. It's time to time to go ahead and uh and and get the word out. So if you have uh if you have people that you know that are Florida State fans that are interested in more stuff, let them know about the podcast. Give us five-star ratings. Appreciate it. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening.